Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being here to worship today, whether you're in person here in our traditional sanctuary or joining us online or joining us from upstairs in our fourth floor modern service. Uh, we have two styles of worship here at South Park Church, but one church, one message, and we're unified and look forward to seeing everyone together in the crossroads after our service uh, for coffee and donuts. As Chris said, we are in the Summer Sound series in which you all have suggested songs that you love, and we're trying to find biblical truth in those and tie them into Scripture. And today's a little bit different than what we've been doing. Over the past few weeks, we've, we've chosen one or two songs, and usually we have that song in one of our services live, and we stream that to the other service. But today, all of our songs in both services are different, and they all relate to the same theme. So uh, when you get home later today or later in the week, if you want to go back onto our website and watch the other service, you can see the music in the other space and just enjoy that. Uh, but again, they're all pointing in one direction today. Glad you're here to be a part of this. Uh, in 1975, a man named Carlito Brigante found himself in prison serving a 30-year term. He was a bad guy. He was in the mafia, did a lot, a lot of bad things, a career criminal, and he'd served about five years of his sentence in 1975. And his attorney found a loophole that was able to get him out of prison. And when Carlito got out of prison, he was so excited to be out, he said to himself, I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to change my life. I'm, I'm tired of living this life of a criminal and always looking over my shoulder and being in trouble and being in prison and, and almost dying every day. And so I want to start new. I want to start fresh. And I want to figure out a way to raise some money so that I can go down and live in the Caribbean and start my life over. And so that was his attitude when he got out of prison, which... It's a good attitude. It's a shift. He wants to do something different in his life, and, and we're hoping that he can do that. But no sooner did he get out of prison than one of his younger cousins came to him and said, I'm kind of in a mess. I'm in this drug deal, and I need you to come help me with that. And Carlito's like, you know, I'm trying to get out of this lifestyle. But he's like, please, I can't do this without you. I could die. And so Carlito makes a big mistake, goes with his cousin on this drug deal. It goes bad, and his cousin gets shot, and he's killed. Carlito escapes, and and he's able to escape with $30,000 of the drug money. So he takes that $30,000 and he buys his way into a, a nightclub, a part owner in that. And his goal is to, to, is to raise $75,000 to get a fresh start and move to the Caribbean and leave it all behind. All right, $75,000 doesn't sound like a lot of money today to start your life over, but 1975 just to get out of the U.S. and, and move down to the Caribbean. And so... He tries to do that, but just like his cousin came to him, other people come to him, and he gets into all these bad situations, and there's one young mafia guy named Benny who says, Carlito, I need you to come and show me how to be a good guy and, you know, in, in the mafia and, and be successful, and Carlito says, no, I'm not doing that, and he kind of shames Benny in public, and long story short, Benny holds a grudge against Carlito. Now, if you guys are movie buffs, you know that I'm talking about a movie named Carlito's Way. It starred Al Pacino. Here's a picture of him, right? And uh, so at the end of this movie, he's trying to get that $75,000, and he's reunited with his girlfriend, and they want to move down there. But this guy, Benny, that he refused to work with, tracks him down and kills him. And this is Carlito lying there dying at the end of the movie. And he looks up, and he sees this billboard, that's uh, the next slide, right? Escape to paradise. And that's exactly what he was trying to do. He's trying to 
go from being a criminal to doing the right thing, to shift his lifestyle, but no matter how hard he tried, no matter how much he tried to resist it, he couldn't get out of that lifestyle, and it caught up to him, and he died. And he saw that, kind of like a mockery of the billboard just saying, it's just not cut out for you to have a good life. Now, this is a fictional movie, and hopefully none of you can relate to it. <laughs> none of you are mafia people or killing people, or, but even if you are, I think there is a question that, that comes to my mind in watching this movie, and, and basically, I think it's this. Can we escape our past? If we have something negative in our life, if there's something negative or evil or wicked in our nature, can we escape our past? Can we escape our, our human nature to do wrong things? Can, can we escape ourselves and get a fresh start? Or are we trapped? Are we destined to repeat bad thing after bad thing after bad thing? Carlito wanted a way out. And he couldn't get it because his past was too sordid, it was too messed up, his nature was too evil, and he couldn't escape. And so in our lives, when we're not happy with the direction of our life, or we're feeling bad about something that we've done in the past, or maybe we're thinking, we're an old dog and there are no new tricks, is there any hope for us? I want to share some lyrics with you from a song that they're going to be singing up in, in the modern service today. Uh, it's written by a guy named John Mayer, and he wrestles with some of these same questions, right? Who am I? And Can I escape my nature? Can I be who I want to be, or am I destined to live the life that I'm living? All right, so let's see some of these lyrics, and, and, and he's, he's writing this song kind of based on a phrase you might have heard, blood is thicker than water. You ever heard that? Blood is thicker than water. Family is more important than anything else in our life, Right? Let's see what his lyrics say to us as we think about blood being thicker than water. How much of my mother has my mother left in me? How much of my love will be insane to some degree? And what about this feeling that I'm never good enough? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? How much of my father am I destined to become? Will I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone? Will I let this woman kill me or do away with jealous love? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? How much like my brothers do my brothers want to be? Does a broken home become another broken family? Or will we be there for each other like nobody ever could? Will it wash out in the water, or is it always in the blood? I can feel the love I want. I can feel the love I need. But it's never going to come the way I am. Could I change if I wanted? Could I rise above the flood? Will it wash out in the water, or is it always in the blood? In this song, there's someone who has... <laughs> an extremely dysfunctional family, and he's wondering, can I escape this? Can I have different, can I have better relationships? Can, can I have a, a different family than what I have now? Or is it ingrained in me? Am I going to have all the negative parts of my mother, all the negative parts of my father? I'm going to have all the negative parts of, of my brothers, right? Will it wash out in the water, or is it always in the blood? Am I destined to live a bad life because my family's kind of messed up, right? 
my family's kind of messed up. And, and I think it taps into this, this universal kind of idea that we have, like, who are we? Where do we come from? Are we more than just our genetics? Are, are we more than what nature has made of us? Are, are we more than our environment? Are we more than the families that we're born into or, or the situations that we find ourselves, kind of nature versus nurture? Who makes us? Are we, are we born a certain way naturally or do we become who we are through experience or is it some kind of a mixture of that? Probably both. And maybe even deeper than that is in our lives, right, are we destined to be one way or the other? Are we destined to have a good life or destined to have a bad life no matter what we do? Or do we truly have the freedom to choose our own path no matter what our genes have inside of us, no matter what family situation we come out of? Does it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? Can we make our own choices? Can we become our own person? Can we escape our past? Can we escape negative things in our lives. And as a pastor, this is a fascinating thing for me to think about as we think about theologically, right, our relationship to God and how we have been created in our lives. Right, what does that look like? Last week, we talked about something really exceptional, that all of us are created in the image of God, and that, that is a very good thing. There is a great goodness inside of all of us, that we can be like God. We can represent God to the world. We can love like God. We can forgive like God. We can be life-giving like God. We can make the world a better place because God has put us in the world. That's a good thing. If you missed that message, I invite you to go back and look at it. All right, it's on our website. If, you, if you're in need of feeling better about yourself in life, we talked about that last week. And, and so today that's still true. Right. So there's a part of us that's been created in our blood, in our DNA, that is God-like, that is good. But we also have another part of the story. There's another side to our nature that, that Paul writes about in the book of Romans today. And it's all throughout Scripture. Let's look at Romans 5 today, if we can bring that up. Therefore, just as sin, right, doing the wrong thing, disobeying God, just as sin entered the world through one man, really Adam and Eve, the first humans, right, is what he's talking about. And that death came through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So what Paul is writing about is we're creating the image of God that's good, but also from the very first humans, Adam and Eve, all the way up to today, there's another side of our nature, and it's not as good as the image of God. In fact, it's sinful, and we choose to do the wrong thing sometimes. We make mistakes. We use our freedom to choose. We do have freedom to choose to, to do wrong things. And so the image of God that we've been created in that is so beautiful is stained. It has like a stain on it from the original sin that we inherit from Adam and Eve and the realized sin that we have from choosing to do the wrong thing. So inside of us are these two natures, the nature of the image of God, which is good, and the, and the nature of sin, which is not good, which stains the image of God. And I think when we get back to Carlito and we get back to the song by John Mayer, I think the question is, which one of those natures wins out? Which one is stronger than the other? Is it the image of God? Or is it the stain of sin that stains that image of God that we're born with, right? Which one of those has the potential to win out? And in our own life right now, which one is winning that battle in our own lives? Can we escape the, 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 the evil nature inside of us, the sinful nature inside of us, right? Or is it always going to be there staining the image of God? That's what we're talking about today. 
Paul also wrote that in, uh, with our sin comes consequences, right? So there, there's certain consequences that come from us from doing the wrong thing and, and choosing to disobey God, right? One of those consequences is guilt. When we do something wrong, we feel bad about that, about a specific thing that we've done wrong. That's called guilt. We also experience shame, which means that we feel bad about our nature of having sinful nature inside of us. We're just ashamed of who we are when we're doing sinful things, Another consequence is hell, which means broken relationships, right? We believe that relationships are the most important thing in life. That's one of our core values is relationships. And really what hell is is broken relationships. It's, it's the broken relationships in our friendships, in our families, in our world, in our relationship to God. And then another consequence of sin is death, is that we will all physically die one day, right? The, the first humans, Adam and Eve, had access to the tree of life, eternal life. And when they first sinned, God cut them off from that, cut us off from that. Thanks, Adam and Eve. We appreciate that, right? But we choose it also for ourselves when we do wrong things. So a consequence of, of sin is death. So we've got guilt and shame and death and hell. That's some heavy stuff that we're having to deal with, right? How do we deal with that? Well, a long time ago, God said... I don't want humanity to be broken from me. I want to do something about that. And so God chose the nation of Israel. And he says, I'm going to take Israel. I'm going to use it as an example to the whole world about how we can be in a right relationship together, humanity and God. Right? You're created the image of God. It's stained by sin. I want to wipe that stain off of that image of God. And so thousands of years ago, this is what God did. He, he said to the people of Israel, right, one of the consequences of sin is what? Death, right? And so when, when you sin, then something has to die, right, to make up for that. And so they created, right, this whole law and gave it to, to a man named Moses, says, you know, you need to follow these rules, right? And when you break these rules, these are the consequences. You need to offer something up that has to lose its life in your place. And so they sacrificed animals to God to be forgiven, right? They sacrificed goats, they sacrificed lambs, they sacrificed bulls. Right, and so it was, it was this sacrifice, right, because sin requires death, and so something has to die. And rather than a human being die, then they were able to offer sacrifices. They would take the animals to the, the priestly, pastor-like people, and they would offer it on behalf of the people. And that's kind of the way that it went. Now, that to us today sounds archaic and barbaric and certainly not PETA-friendly or PETA-approved, right? right? Killing these poor animals. Um, but it was a temporary solution until a more permanent solution would come. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's look at Scripture. We're going to be in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. This is really just a really long sermon. If you think my sermons are long, read the book of Hebrews, okay? <laughs> so it's a long sermon, uh, but it's good stuff here. And it's going to talk about th this, this way of being forgiven, okay? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Now, the first covenant, right, this sacrificial thing that I talked about, it's the Old Testament, the Old Covenant in, in our Bibles, had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle, kind of like a big tent for the people of Israel, was set up until it could be built permanently into a temple, right? In its first room was a lampstand and a table with the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place, right? So there's a sanctuary in this, in this big tent, and behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, the Holy of Holies, which had the golden altar of incense and the golden covered Ark of the Covenant. Any Indiana Jones fans, right? Here's where the Ark of the Covenant is, right? And the Ark contained the gold jar of manna, the bread that the people of Israel ate in the wilderness. 
Aaron, the brother of uh, Moses' staff that budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant, like the Ten Commandments, right? This is the holy place for the people of Israel, right? Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover, but we can't discuss these things in detail now, right? So here's a sanctuary where those sacrifices would take place so that people could be made right with God, right? Something had to die so that the people could keep living. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. That's where they did sacrifices, right? But only the high priest, right, the head priest, entered into the inner room, right? Remember, there's a sanctuary, then there's the Holy of Holies inside of that, and only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that had committed in ignorance, right? Blood equals life. Right, and so once a year, the high priest, it was called the Day of Atonement, put this slide up here, the Day of Atonement, right, the high priest would go in that special place and offer uh, certain sacrifices. He would, he would kill a bull and offer the bull as a sacrifice for his own personal sins and for his family's sins. So if we lived back then, that's what I would do for my family, for my wife, Laura, my sons, and we would, I would offer that bull up. Then he would offer up a goat... For all the people of Israel, right, to forgive their sins, right, in the Holy of Holies. And then he would take a second goat, and he'd place his hands on the goat, and he would confess the sins of all the people, and then send that goat away to take the sins away, right? Have you ever heard of the, the a phrase, the scapegoat? That's where it comes from, right? That second goat symbolically took on it, itself all the wrongdoing of the whole people of Israel, and they sent it away. So once a year, this Day of Atonement to forgive everybody of all the wrong that they'd done, took all this blood, it took a scapegoat, and the high priest did that, right, so that we could be forgiven and be in a right relationship with God, atonement at one with God, right? So let's keep going. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning, this was a temporary solution, right? This was an earthly solution, right? This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper, right? They were forgiven, but they still felt guilty. I still feel bad about the wrong things that I've done, right? So this system is not perfect, right? They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, External regulations applying until the time of the new order. This is just a temporary solution that's not really the best of best things. But when Christ, when Jesus came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, a heavenly tabernacle, heaven itself, that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation, right? So Jesus is now going to take the high priestly role, and he's going to be a better, more powerful high priest than any human being could be, right? Let's keep going with that. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. 
How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? And here's the point. Let's see verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, the New Testament, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Jesus does what the first covenant can't do. Priest offering sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, right? And it's just not working, right? So Jesus says, okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the high priest. And instead of offering animals time and time again, I'm going to offer myself. And my blood is so holy that I only have to do this one time. I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to be the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. And not only am I going to forgive people for what they do on the outward sign, right, the, the, the sin itself, but I'm going to work on their hearts, and I'm going to change their hearts. And that stain of sin that is on the image of God, I'm going to wash it away with my blood so that people in their souls will be white as snow. Jesus becomes our high priest and he becomes the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. That's why I don't kill bulls and goats and lambs up here. Thank God, right? And you don't have to bring that to me. I don't have to throw blood on you because Jesus died for us to put an end to that, right? The sacrifice to end all sacrifices. He was perfect and holy and the Son of God, God himself. So he, through his death, we receive life. We as human beings can't do it on our own. We need help. Jesus is holy and he's perfect and he made a one-time sacrifice for everyone who ever lived and who will ever live because that's the kind of God that we serve. And so today, we're singing a lot of songs about the blood of Jesus, which if you're from the outside of a church or you're new to the church, that sounds really disgusting, doesn't it, right? The blood, is this a horror movie? Is this a Stephen King thing? Right? No, right? we don't literally throw blood on people. But Jesus' blood was real, and he sacrificed it so that you and I can be forgiven, right? Our sin and death and hell and guilt and shame can be taken away, and we can have life that is full now and forever in the kingdom of God. We, we can live life that is joyful, not because of what we've done, but because of who Jesus is when we believe in that Jesus, right? And so that's why today we're going to be singing some songs about the blood of Jesus that ironically washes us clean of the stain that's inside of our hearts. Let's look at some of these songs that we're going to be singing today. Uh, this is one we sang today in, in our traditional service already. There's power in the blood. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus. Right? Sin stains are lost, right? The, the, the original sin, it's wiped away, right? The image of God is no longer stained because of Jesus. And it's life-giving flow. There's one flicker power in the blood. There's power, power. Here's another one we're going to sing later. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Nothing can my sin erase. This is all my hope and peace. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. These are good old gospel hymns about the true power of Jesus Christ. This, we're going to close today in traditional with this, victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, oh, his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented, I turned away from my sins, and won the victory through Jesus. Yeah. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood of his blood. He washes us clean. And then finally today, this is a song they're going to be singing in our modern service to close out the, the service this morning. Oh, the blood, the crimson love, price of life's demand, shameful sin placed on him, the hope of every man and woman. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus shed for me. What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. Today we talk about something that sounds gross to the world, but for us who follow Jesus, who have been forgiven, we find that joy and that peace. It's our life. It's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean of all the wrong things that we do. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we can be forgiven and live life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. Well, how do we receive that? How do we accept that gift, right? Because we're, we're not going to bring out buckets of blood. That's not what it's about, right? Jesus, he paid the price. Only one person had to pay the price with the blood. For us, I think it begins with recognition. I think the the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and stirs up something that says, yeah, there's a lot of good things in my life. I'm created the image of God, and that's good, but I also make mistakes. I make bad choices. I'm harboring some guilt. I'm harboring some shame. I'm certainly not looking forward to die, and I, I have some hell in my life. There's some relationships in my life that are broken, and it hurts me. This is not how I want to live my life. So then the Holy Spirit invites us to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. I believe that. And Jesus, I, I want to leave this life of sin behind me. I want to I I turn away from that. That's what the Bible says to repent. Like, I want to leave this behind, Lord. I want you to please come in and forgive me. Take away my guilt. Take away my shame. Replace it with joy and with peace and, and love and, and help me experience a life that is full now and so that I can look forward to the eternal kingdom of God in heaven. Jesus, please do that for me. I believe in you. And he'll do that. And he'll come in and he will justify us, which means he makes things right between us and God. Right, And it, it's a point in time. It's when we surrender to Jesus and we, we believe in him and we, we ask for that forgiveness. We ask him to be our Lord and Savior. He justifies us. Some other people would, would say he saves us or we're born again. It's, it's a moment of a decision where we give our lives to Christ and our life changes. We move from sinner to winner. We move from sinner to saint. Even though we're not perfect yet, right? we're restored in that image of God that we've been created. It's a moment in time when we invite Jesus in. And it changes our lives, our lifestyle. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We're still going to do wrong things. We're going to still have sin. The Bible says it kind of cleaves to us, right? There'll be individual sins that we wrestle with. For some of us, it'll be greed. For some of us, it'll be ego. For some of us, it will be lust. For some of us, it will be fear, right? But, but, and, and that's where the Holy Spirit is sent to us, right? That part of God that's with us now 
and it helps us fight these individual sins that we wrestle with, right? So we don't have to repent for our entire lifestyle. We have to repent from individual sin that's still with us as long as we're alive, but the Holy Spirit is with us and gives us power over sin, right? Not just in our actions, but in our hearts, in our words, in our thoughts, we become more like Jesus as the Holy Spirit sanctifies us for the rest of our life. That's what I'm offering you today. Actually, I'm not offering it. God's offering it. God offers you that opportunity today. Next week, we're going to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion where we eat bread and we drink juice and we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross and his resurrection. I know a lot of people get confused. It's like, are you guys really eating flesh and drinking blood? I mean, are you guys vampires? You know, no, no, no. It's symbolic. We remember the power in the body and the blood of Jesus that sets us free for a life that is full. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? I'm going to take it right out of one of these hymns. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're not strong enough to do it on our own. We need some help, and God is ready to help us in his holiness. What can make me whole again? What can restore me in the image of God that's been stained? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So one action step for you to consider this week, be washed in the blood of Jesus. And by that I mean, open your heart to Jesus. Receive the gift of forgiveness that Jesus offers. All the things that I've said earlier, just make that open commitment to receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life. Be open to Jesus washing away that stain on the image of God that you've been created in. That's a gift that God offers to all of us today. So I was researching um, the message today and looking at that movie, Carlito's Way, that we're talking about. I found like a funny meme that said, if you've got bloodstains on your T-shirt, maybe dirty laundry is not your biggest problem. (laughs) If you've got bloodstain on your T-shirt, maybe, right, Dirty laundry is not your biggest problem. And getting back to where we started this message, I mean, hopefully, again, you're not mafia people or you kill people. If you are, this, this is good news for you if you're watching, right, or you're here. But like Carlito, like John Mayer in this song, do we sometimes feel trapped? I need to live a better life. No matter what I do, I keep messing up. I'm just not good enough, Right? The bad side of my nature keeps winning again and again, and I'm stuck. I'm miserable. My life's terrible. It just seems destined that I'm going to fail and just be a horrible mistake for the rest of my life. If you feel that way, I understand that. I felt that way, right? You're you're a human being if you feel that way. But the good news today is the answer to that is no. You're not stuck. You're not trapped. Right? The sinful nature in you is not stronger than the image of God. The sinful nature in you is not stronger than the power of Jesus Christ. You are not stuck repeating the past mistakes. You're not stuck with negative traits and characteristics from your family or your upbringing or the people that you've been around. Right? You are free to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. You are free to live a life that is full. You are free to receive the gift of heaven itself. And so today, I invite you to be open to that. 
and know that the good news is that you are not stuck. You are not trapped. Your evil nature is not the most dominant. The first thing that you were created in is the image of God. That's what doesn't wash out in the water. That's what's in your blood. And that infusion is put there by Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Be washed in the blood of Jesus and be free in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To those who are here uh, watching from the modern service, I invite you to now stand uh, for your closing song. We'll see you all on the crossroads in just a few minutes. To those of you watching online, to those of you in the room here in traditional, will you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and ever-loving God, sometimes we think that we're trapped, we think that we're stuck, that just the wrong things that we do seem to dominate our lives, God, and we just, we're so sorry and just, we're, we're frustrated, and Lord, we just, we see no hope. But today, God, we see in what seems to be archaic and primitive in, in Scripture is really the truth of the gospel, God, that you love us so much that you are there to give us help. That we're not trapped by the wrong things that we do. We're not trapped by the negative things in our past. We're not destined to be losers or failures, God. That you are with us and you offer us a new way. And that we can, Lord, allow you to come in and, and wipe away that stain of sin that has kind of gotten all over the image of God that we've been created in and causes us so much trouble. And so, God, today we simply invite you to come in and wash us and make us clean. Wash away the sin, Lord, and, and help us to be restored in that beautiful image of God that you've created us in. God, take away our guilt. Take away our shame. Take away our death. Take away our hell, God, and instead give us joy and love and peace and acceptance. Know that we can be in right relationship with you and with the people in our lives, God. That we have a bright future, Lord. That you have great plans for us, God. And you want to live in us and help us to live that life that you have created for us. So God, please forgive us of our sins today as we think about them in our hearts right now and offer them to you. God, take them from us. And as we imagine what our soul, what our heart looks like, Lord, beautifully created in the image of God with this nasty stain of sin, help us to just picture, Lord, you scrubbing us clean with your blood, God. I know it sounds gross, but you're the one that paid the price and leaving those souls, Lord, whitewashed and forgiven, knowing that we are at peace with you and that you're with us, God. And your good nature in us wins out. Lord, wash us in your blood. In the name of Jesus.